Hello and welcome to Spanish True Crime, a podcast dedicated to covering true crime stories from Spain. My name is Natalia and I'm here to bring to you fascinating cases you have probably never heard about yet. All true crime fans know at least one case of a killer nurse, also often called Angels of Death. Most of the time they are women, but today we're going to learn about a male killer nurse. In this episode, I will be talking about the most prolific serial killer in recent Spanish history. This is the story of Joan Vila y Dilme, known as El Salado Dulot. Joan Vila was born in 1968. He lived most of his life near the city of Girona, in the Spanish region of Catalonia. He had a pretty common childhood. His parents were factory workers, and he was especially close to his mother. He was a little shy, but everyone who knew him thought He was kind, funny, and hardworking. However, he was always very insecure because of his appearance and he had a hard time coming to terms with his sexual orientation. As a teenager, he started training to become a hairdresser, a profession he seemed to really like. He even opened up his own barbershop, but closed it after two years. Some say his partner scammed him, and that's what led to him changing career paths. In 1990, he started seeing a psychiatrist because of anxiety issues. He felt very lost and tried out different jobs, but nothing seemed to fit for him. Therapy wasn't working. His anxiety, insomnia, and other symptoms got worse. In 1994, when he was 26 years old, he decided to change his therapist and slowly began to make some progress. He started working in a pizza restaurant, bought a small apartment in another town where he didn't know anyone, and started going out more, especially to a nearby gay bar. It was in 2005 when Juan Vila first worked taking care of the elderly. It was in a psychiatry facility he left after eight months. Then he started working in a nursing home called Almirador da Bañolas, where he got licensed as an assistant nurse. He was loved there by both the residents and his co-workers. They all said he was attentive, sweet, and really hardworking. When he left to go to work in another nursing home, again after eight months, the director told him he always had a job there if he wanted to come back. That's how happy they were with his performance. It was then he started working at La Caritat, a nursing home in the city of Ulot, closer to where his parents and him lived. He worked there on the weekends, taking care of the residents and getting closer to them. In 2009, his mood started to worsen again. His mental health issues had never really gone away. He had been diagnosed with obsessive-compulsive disorder, and the trembling and excessive sweating of his hands only got worse. He was an avid smoker, but that wasn't his only vice. He drank a lot of energy drinks, often mixed with alcohol and anxiolytics. He also started developing an interest in tenatopraxia, specifically in becoming a mortuary makeup artist. Later on, this interest was shown in the way he had often applied makeup to his victims after their deaths. He started being more irritable towards his co-workers, even leading to some arguments, but he was still an appreciated and trusted member of the staff. He was able to hide his dark side, but not for much longer. Paquita Gironés was the first known victim of Joan Vila. She was an 84-year-old woman and a resident at La Caritat. She suddenly got sick and was taken to the nearest hospital, where she would die a few hours later. Villa was working at the nursing home that day. He told the staff they shouldn't call the ambulance since she was already dying. 
The doctors at the hospital noticed she had burns in her mouth, lips and esophagus. At first, they thought she could have tried to kill herself drinking some kind of corrosive acid, but they were told it was impossible since she could barely move. The medical examiner refused to sign the death certificate because the lack of explanation for those burns. After doing the autopsy, it was confirmed that the death hadn't been accidental or by natural causes. Someone had made the woman drink the liquid that had caused her death, and it had to be someone working at the nursing home. Mossos d'Esquadra, Catalonia's regional police, started the investigation and interrogated all the staff who had been working that night, including Joan Vila. Their suspicions arose when they saw the security camera footage. He was seen walking into the cleaning supplies room, going then to Paquita's room, and then walking out five minutes later. Ten minutes after that, the nurse that found her agonizing walked into the room. When she saw the state the woman was in, she quickly ran out to find, ironically, Juan Vila. She said it was because he always knew what to do. When the police asked him about it, Vila quickly broke down and admitted to the crime. He had made the victim drink a cleaning product using a needle that was found in a trash can near the victim's room. He said he had done it to ease her suffering since her health was very deteriorated. But he also admitted to feeling euphoric after the act, like a god, were his literal words. A few days later, a relative of a woman who had died five days before at the nursing home, Sabina Maslurens, called the police after seeing the case in the news. Her aunt's body had some strange purple marks in her face no one had been able to explain. They asked Bill about her, and he admitted to having killed her too. He had made her drink bleach while she was asleep, also using a needle. Bila had actually gone to Sabina's funeral. He showed a lot of sadness at her passing and tried his best to make the family feel better. But Sabina's murder wasn't the last crime Bila would confess to. That same day, he would admit to the judge he had also killed Montserrat Guillamet, making her drink bleach three days after Sabina's death and one day before Paquita's. Other members of the staff were chilled when they remembered Willa's words a few days earlier. He had joked about his bad luck because all the residents died during his shift. Talk about dark humor. Unfortunately, those three murders were just the beginning. During the last five years, the ones Villa had been working at La Caritat, 59 residents died in the nursing home. Most of them passed away while Joan Villa was working there. Considering he only had shifts during the weekend, it was a big coincidence. The more they investigated, the more police started to suspect he had been involved in a lot more deaths. After finding out the judge was ordering the exhumation of eight bodies, Villa asked to testify before him again. The judge started reading a list of names of people who had died during his shifts. Villa ended up admitting to the murders of 11 residents, 9 women and 2 men. However, he didn't see himself as a killer. He described it as helping them to die. Villa's claims that he just wanted to help his victims and end their suffering is common in this typology of killers. But if that was his only motivation, why did he kill his last three victims in such a painful way? The first times he had killed, it had been using pills and other substances, such as insulin, which had resulted in more peaceful deaths. Paquita's autopsy also revealed signs that she had tried to stop him, so she clearly didn't want to die yet. It's also hard to forget the fact that he admitted to feeling some kind of euphoria after the murders. 
The psychiatrist that examined him would later say that killing had given him such a rush because for once in his life he felt powerful and in control. He had gotten addicted to it, which was why he had ended up killing three women in the span of just a few days. Like with any other drug, the more he killed, the more he needed it. It's curious that Villa only lost his temper during his confession when he was asked if he had stolen something from his victims. After confessing to 11 murders, he said, I would never do something like that. After his confession, a trial was held. Juan Villa was found guilty of 11 charges of murder without any mitigating factors and sentenced to 127 years of jail, of which he will do 40, the legal limit according to Spanish law. He's still in jail, where he works in the laundry service and is known for his good behavior. Bill has only admitted to 11 murders, although investigators suspect there could be many more. 27 old women and men died while he was working at La Caritat, but the state of the bodies didn't allow to tell if they had all been poisoned. Will we ever know the real number of victims? Maybe not. But with 11 deaths attributed to him, John Villa is already the most prolific Spanish serial killer of this century. The question of why he did it still lingers even after all the explanations that have been offered. Some people have linked his behavior to the trauma of watching an aunt he was really close to as a child die after a lot of suffering caused by breast cancer. His struggles with sexuality and gender identity have also been brought up, but I personally think they have been given too much relevance. All LGTB people struggle in some way or another, given we live in a heteronormative world, but that doesn't lead you to commit such horrible crimes. It's obvious Joan Villa had a lot of issues, and pointing at one factor as the only thing to blame is far too simplistic. After all, for someone who was in therapy for pretty much all of his adult life, no one ever detected any homicidal tendencies. It's always scary to see cases such like this, in which someone no one would have ever expected turns out to be capable of doing such terrible things, isn't it? If you're interested in finding out about other stories like this one, please follow this podcast on whatever platform you prefer so you don't miss any new episodes. Please consider leaving a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts to help spread the word. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at sptruecrime and Instagram at spanishtruecrime. You can send an email at SpanishTrueCrime at gmail.com if you wish to contact me. See you next time.